This is In Search of Tracks podcast. We spend an unhealthy amount of time thinking about music, and chances are you do too. I'm Pete. I'm Bob. How's it going, Pete? It's all right. How do you like that for an opener? I'm trying to I loved it. No, I loved Sick. it. I thought that was perfect. I'm psyched on it. Uh, feeling good, as we just uh, discussed in our pre-production. Allergies are in full effect. Um, it's the real uh, deal. Yeah, it's no joke. It's no joke. Yes. Yeah, so, so if we just cough our way through this entire episode, we yeah, apologize. Yeah, please don't judge any of the weird sniffles and snorfles. For me, it's not so much that. I got a, a raw throat from all this nonsense, but... Uh, is this the heaviest pollen season you can remember? I think it is. Yeah, me too. I, I wake I, up, the tables are coated in pollen, my car is coated in it. It's uh, it's it's kind of gnarly. Yeah, my, my throat is coated <laughs> in it currently, that's, so I that's, don't know. <laughs> that too. I don't know what to, to think of that. Um, hey, so uh, we do talk about music a lot. Um, where can people follow us to, to, to talk music with us? So if you're on either Instagram or Twitter... You can follow us at TraxPod. Mm. And if you want to write us an email and get real deep, give Love us your, emails. your real, you know, long form thoughts, you can write us at TraxPod at gmail.com. Cool. So follow us on the gram or Twitter at TraxPod or email us <clears throat> TraxPod at gmail.com. Well, I, uh, I am excited about today's topic um because it's sort of a different flow but why don't you uh intro it and do the whole the whole shebang yeah so today we're talking about my bloody valentine um bob like you mentioned usually we do albums um and just kind of dive deep you know on a specific album from a specific band but this time um we're just gonna kind of talk about the band my bloody valentine um recently domino records uh, reissued all of their um, records, at least the last three, mm. all the LPs. Um, and it was just one of those moments where I thought to myself, like, these are records that everyone, if you're, you know, if you're interested in buying vinyl, of course, but like most people interested in that sort of thing are going to buy because it's just like, they are iconic records, particularly Loveless and Isn't Anything that, you know, regardless of what genre of music you're into, you know, most people have at least seen the cover art, are familiar with a band name, um, mm. you know, know a little bit about the band potentially. And it's just one of the things I think about with bands and music a lot is just like, why, why are specific bands kind of undeniable? Right. Um, you know, I mean, you could go as far as talking about the Beatles, like picking apart why why are the Beatles the Beatles? Why are they kind of just inarguably this band that's super important for everyone? Like, what exactly is it about them? So I started thinking about that with My Bloody Valentine because they're they're one of those bands that kind of tra- transcended, um, you know, like the shoegaze genre where they're in, you know, the top 500 Rolling Stone best albums of all time, for example. You know, yeah. so it's just, uh, I thought it would be an interesting uh, kind of experiment for us to just talk through a band and their legacy as opposed to just digging into one specific record. Yeah, I'm I'm super hype on that because I think it's specifically with My Bloody Valentine a fun conversation and one we can kind of be looser with, speak a little bit broad more broadly about. But at the same time, you know, when when we talked about it, you you asked the question like 
and you you said it here too but why why are they so loved why are they universal but also what about them has made them that way for quite a while now yeah and and i mean if i'm saying anything i'm also saying that their legend has grown right their their footprint has grown i didn't know who my bloody valentine were in the late 90s granted i was a teen <laughs> who was into <laughs> aggressive punk music um but it was adjacent and i came to know who they were very shortly thereafter uh because they were name checked by a lot of bands i liked and when it comes down to it i think they've become more and more known they they are an entity and and they're responsible for all right here's my first question of the evening would you say they're responsible for the shoegaze genre um or at least partially so it's hard to say anyone's responsible for a genre i know that yeah yeah i mean i i think that they definitely helped form they were one of the kind of at the forefront of forming that sound right for sure um there are a few other bands i think that were doing it around a similar time like slow dive ride for example yeah but like but if 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 you think of if 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 anyone says the word shoegaze at this point, I think My Bloody Valentine is firmly the first band that will come to mind. Right. So so <clears throat> that's the way I feel about it. Um, Loveless is a record I have, and like this is where we put our cards on the table. Loveless is a record I have liked, not loved for a long time now, and it's a cool record. And when I put it on, I'm like, oh yeah, this song's great. Oh yeah, this song's great. And then there's parts that miss me a little bit more, but. You know, in preparation for this episode, I really dove into it. Sitting with the 2013 record, I think it's MBV. Yeah, really enjoyed that as well, and and it felt like a an appropriate follow up and one of those records that's, you know, I think we've touched on it a little bit when there's a long gap between releases for for a band and and for for my bloody Valentine, there was an extended uh, breakup, I guess it's impressive to see them come back at, at what, you know, a, a comparably full strength, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, w- let's, let's, let's kind of start unpacking. What is your familiarity with them? What was your experience? I always like that section of our podcast. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, late nineties, if you ask me to your point, I, I would not have known who they were, but I think, yeah, early two thousands, Pretty people, quick, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Pe- people were always kind of citing Loveless. It was just, it was one of those records that you had to hear. Um, so I checked it out and really, I mean, I won't even say that I really liked it off the bat. It was just, it f- it was so different from anything that I was listening to that it. I think it impacted me in that way. Um, and then I would come back to them at different points over the years and... Um, you know, started really, really liking it in a different way. Um, Loveless is the first one I heard. And then I just went deeper into Isn't Anything and then went kind of all the way back through the discography, which is kind of a, re- a re- rewarding, sorry, rewarding um, thing to do if you're a fan of Loveless or MBV or Isn't Anything, because you can kind of hear the first, you can kind of like, even from the first EP, I think it's called Geek, um, mm-hmm. th- all the elements are kind of there from the get go. Um, 
the early stuff is definitely not as good or as iconic, but it's it's a fun listen if you're interested. Yeah, I went I went back to the EPs and it, is it Glider is one of the EPs? Yeah, that's that's probably I think that's uh that's later era though. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was I was listening to Glider and I was like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling where this is. I I didn't I didn't give a full and I th- I've heard isn't anything before, but I have I didn't sit with it for this listen. Um, yeah. To me, to me, Loveless is kind of like it dwarfed it in such a way that I never really was like it was one of those things. I heard Loveless first was like, oh, this is cool. Eventually heard isn't anything. It was like, oh, all right. And just kind of stuck with Loveless. Is that, you know, is that fair? Is that am I should I go backwards? So that's it's funny you say that because that's actually one of the kind of ulterior motives that I had for this episode. Ooh. You know, if this podcast does anything for me, it's it like forces me to reevaluate things that I think that I like. Um yep, me too. <laughs> right. So like so I Loveless I think is undeniably a fantastic record and we'll we'll get into that. Mm-hmm. Um isn't anything I never, I, I, it's one of those records I would revisit about every year, every two years Mm -hmm. and there are undeniably tracks on it, but it, it never hit me like that. Um, and when people always kind of reference it as like, you know, one of the like great shoegaze records, I was always like, ah, like, I guess, I don't know. It's one of those things where like, you don't want to like just out everybody and be like, you guys are full of shit, but like <laughs> I kind of feel that I, I think I always felt that way. It was just a matter of like admitting it to myself. Loveless is undeniably the record. I think okay. that yeah. you, you can, you can listen to only that album and like, it's all you really need. Yeah. You, you've got, you get the experience. And like, this is the other thing I want to say because I have a couple different routes of questions and I want to be fair to the band and, the people who love them. Yeah. Do you love My Bloody Valentine? I love My Bloody Valentine as a concept and as like a band. Um, in terms of music that I'm going to go back to like on a very regular basis, they're they're not like the top, you know? Like Loveless is the top. The band, right. I don't know, as, as, as like a collection of albums, as a collection of EPs or whatever, their entire discography is actually like... If and and this is kind of a point that I want to touch on, but I my argument is if Loveless never came out, like nobody rem- remembers who this band was. That's a oh, that's an interesting conversation. Um, all right. That said, <clears throat> I feel more comfortable because you love them. I don't love them, and you love them. Asterisk. It sounds like. Yeah, I mean, you- and I, I, I will say that um, I I got to see them twice. Um, yeah. Both times at the Hammerstein Ballroom, they're oh. both probably between like 2010 and 2015 or something. It kind of brought them to a different level for me. Um, and I think that's kind of cliche because they're one of those bands where when you do hear about them, you always hear about how loud they are live. Yeah. Um, yes. It, it's not just that they were loud. It's kind of it. It puts the whole band in a different perspective. At least it did for me. Just like how they play and who they are and whatever. So, yeah. And and that's that's very intentional. Uh, from from what I've been told, what I've known over the years, what I've read about over the years, the live experience for them, the volume mattered. They wanted a loud, almost punishing. 
Yeah, like yeah, like I don't know the right term, but they really wanted to create an experience and a texture to volume, which I think is interesting. Like, um, so then I feel more fair asking you harder questions uh, about this and kind of being more pointed <clears throat> because the thing I want to say is I think this band's pretty undeniable. That said. I'm also so fascinated because I think there's people, there's a lot in this music, and this is my you know opening salvo, Loveless has a lot going on that makes me think about electronic music. Yeah. It has a lot in the music that makes me think, you know, drum and bass, et cetera. Like there's that, that UK, mid-90s UK scene that really <clears throat> went off from this and kind of dance scene. Um and I don't think I'm not saying they went off from this, but they it it went off in the mid '90s, and and I just think that that's one of the most fascinating things about the band is they were doing things with the textures in the music, the guitar repetitions that feels like looping, uh, the the percussion stuff that's really uh, you know some of the distortion and it creates a different texture that I think makes them fascinating. And I wonder how many people use this as a portal to go listen to different types of music, because that's my feeling is that this is a kind of genre bridge band who opens the door one from rock music into digital electronic, et cetera, type music. Sure. And in the reverse, <clears throat> which sort of backdoors people into music. Cause I also hear, I still hear the echoes of, you know, eighties goth and post-punk music here. Oh yeah. And, and like that reverberates and it's like, Oh, okay. This is the evolution. This is the, the logical conclusion for a lot of that stuff or and, and logical conclusion. Isn't right. This is the logical next step in an evolution of sound. And, and I think that's one of the reasons to answer our, our, our question, why is this band have such resonance? Why are they so, you know, widely loved and why has their impact grown over the years? You know? Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point because there definitely is, you can go any number of directions from particularly loveless. Um, and I think like there's, there's so much there that anyone even vaguely interested in music is going to be like, I've never heard anything like this. And, the argument could be made that there's no record that really sounds like it. Although a lot have definitely tried, you know, Yo, that was another big thing. I don't think there are many records that sound like loveless. I think there's a lot of attempts and I don't think many succeeded. Yeah. You know, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think so either, frankly. Yeah. I, I, um, I mean, even, even MBV. Yep. Oh yeah. Doesn't, doesn't hit the same uh, production cues in my opinion. I mean, 
apparently they spent what like 20 years almost working on it um, <laughs> well I mean, some of them did right yeah um, so it, so so I mean okay just to be self-referential and I want you to kind of go in hard here yeah um, so there's sampling there's different stuff going on the textures on this ra- record are what make it standalone loveless and we're, we're talking about the band at large so we'll talk about <clears throat> MBV as well what are records that you think are influenced by this that aren't obvious? For example, like to me, as we've talked about, uh, uh, Stone Roses, I Want to Be Adored. Oh, that predates it. Damn. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So see, like they might have been pulling from some of the same walls because I've gotten maligned for my uh, my favorite song being is Don't Stop, right? Yeah. Yeah, yo, I hear some of that same, those same elements where it's taking cues in this rhythmic way, the digital stuff, uh, not digital, the the looping and kind of sampling stuff. That isn't, it's not the same as Loveless, but I see that it could be the same well. Oh, um, absolutely. Okay, that's so, a good, that's a good point. I didn't even really think about the the just the there is an obvious kind of Stone Roses influence on Loveless. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if they've ever would ever copped that. I don't know if it's yeah, like it's pretty close, but okay, yeah. yeah, like it might be. Is it paralleling? You know what I mean? Like that's one of the things I always am curious about and like reticent to throw on things. Yeah, because sometimes it could be like, yeah, you could say we're influenced by the record, but we were writing this record at the same time as they wrote that record. You know, right, right. Um, so, anyways, are there I mean, records that you think are influenced by this? I'm not. Nothing immediately comes to mind, although I I feel like I could really say anything, um, and it would I could I could make a case for it, but like there's just there's different pieces of it where like for example the 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 element of loveless and actually isn't anything has a lot of it too where like it sounds like you're listening to a warped record. Yes, yes, yes. Like like that's just <laughs> that's that's a thing that I feel like they perfected that you know. I'm sure you could find examples of that before it. Um, but they kind of just did it in this way where it was undeniable and kind of added this really, this, this interesting element to all the songs. Um, I feel like I've definitely heard that done over the last, you know, 30 years or whatever, since this came out in this way where I know that they are point, whoever is, has been doing it since is pointing to my bloody Valentine. Um, so it's, it's like you said though, it's, I think a lot of the times you're not going to be as like brazen about it. Like I mentioned in, in the hum episode last week where like um, the first song on the hum record inlet, I felt like was kind of an obvious homage to the song only shallow on loveless for a lot of reasons. Oh, that's right. Yes. Like, and I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like that's kind of an obvious homage or obvious cop or whatever but mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. um people typically i don't think are going to be as obvious about it yeah um it's just a matter of finding like like my bloody valentine can be like a rorschach test where it's just like what what do you like about it because a lot of people are going to like a lot of different things about it i mean i know i know just from knowing a lot of guitar players that a lot of guitar players love them just because they were able to kind of 
figure out what pedals to use or how to use those pedals or how to use, um, you know, the fucking whammy bar or whatever (laughs) the right way, you know? Right. Um, And use it in a different way, right? Like to really go, okay, we're trying this in a really different way. Yeah. And like, you know, yeah. I mean, there's, there's just, there's so many different things that you can take from them that I think that different bands have been influenced by them, but how they're influenced by them is going to vary dramatically. Um, but that's all I got. No, I mean, you. I think that's that's a big okay. Uh, we're breaking our format here like hard, but yeah. So, but a this, few pieces that I I wanted. One thing before, and I want you to take the wheel from me because I'm steering here. Yeah, yeah. The one thing I want to ask you, the big thing I kept circling back to is this: this record feels really timeless. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things we ask about a lot of, uh, well, every record we do basically. Loveless feels timeless. MBV feels like it could have come out a year after you know what i mean like <laughs> like you know what i mean yeah. like quite honestly it feels like it could have been like b-sides yeah yes <laughs> um and and it's it almost feels timeless in a different way than we t- typically t- talk about because it feels like it's apart from time like yeah. like it won't <laughs> you know it's like yeah oh Every other uh, record with guitars is made out of stone and concrete, and some are brick and uh, some are, are uh, gravel and da da da. This record's made of like polyurethane and, and <laughs> plastics that won't degrade over the next fifteen thousand years. <laughs> right? Um, it's really unbelievable when you put in the context that it's like, oh yeah, this record came out in nineteen ninety one. What? What? Yeah. yeah. You know, like. Like it's scope, insane. scope of that, just to put it in, it's like, oh, this came out um, like, uh, let's say 40 days after Nevermind. Yeah. What? Yeah, it's fucking bonkers. And, you know? and, I, and I have to think that like Kurt Cobain heard this record and was like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, like, like, yeah. like every, it probably schooled everybody in a certain way where they were like, oh, like this is actually the future now. 100%. That's, it feels which, like which kind of proved music. to be true. Y- yo, like, I mean, yes. we, we mentioned that in the hum episode too, where it's like, whatever it is that I think hum were doing in that record, it was obviously taking a lot from like that hum record doesn't exist without my bloody Valentine. True. No, Straight no, no up, question. Right? No question. Well, and, and I think, <laughs> I think that could largely be said for a lot of records. Um, come to follow uh loveless but really that in the this is a record that i feel in the post i mean fuck it i won't even say post anything i think this might be one of the like 20 most important rock records yeah in a weird way like and and i almost feel stupid calling it rock but i don't know what else you'd call it 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 vaguely falls into that just because in the way that it's like, hey, this really changed the way a lot of people thought about how how and what they could do with guitar music. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, like, let me just say, I also prefaced a lot of this by saying I don't even love my bloody Valentine, but <laughs> but like this is it's almost undeniable. So if you like guitar music, you might hear this and you might be like, mm, yeah, man, I don't know, I just uh, prefer ELO. You know, I don't know, uh, but <laughs> but you can't hear this and go, wow, they are. This is boring. They're not doing anything unique here. Like it's it's almost it's 
undeniable on many things, but it's very undeniably unique. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, but that actually, that's a good segue into a question that I have for you. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, as a point of discussion. So again, like I revisited all the records and I was trying to keep the theme of our podcast in mind, right? Like yes. we're in search of tracks. So like, do they have tracks? Like, like, do people actually love oh. my bloody Valentine? Do, do my bloody do people actually love my bloody Valentine's songs, or do they, do they just love like the idea of my bloody Valentine and like the loveless image? Um, it's a, f- it's like straight up like an unbelievably good question. <laughs> um, let me answer yes and yes. Okay, which might feel like it's in contradiction, but yes, they do have tracks. And yes, there's a large part of pe- portion of people who like them more for the ephemera and everything around it and everything about the band, yeah. which I get. I get it. But I think there's... <clears throat> I was thinking about this with the record. I think I was thinking about it with Loveless and MBV is that <clears throat> I think you both records have between... Um, two and four, maybe five, but I I didn't do our typical activity. I just was listening to these records kind of yeah, on r- repeat. Rough numbers. We, right. Two and five tracks each each record. But it would almost be like if you were like, hey, <clears throat> want to record a full length. Want it to have flow. I think these records also undeniably have flow. Yeah. Right. Like like you, you put it on and you don't like you're not skipping around or like, man, this song's boring. You know, it's like, no, it's, you just let it play. Um, you know, I, I actually think of a record like Portishead Dummy is a similar kind of vibe. Like, sure. There's yeah. a couple tracks, you know, but but the tracks end up being these flag posts, you know, like the tent poles. <sighs> and instead of like. Okay, let's let's slap together some more songs. You know, I think about pop music writing structures where it's like, oh, well, here's the singles and these are other songs that we like, but you know, they're not the singles. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And we'll call those filler for lack of a better term and not to be disrespectful. It's almost like if My Bloody Valentine was like, "Hey, here's the songs we really like." And the rest we're kind of going to work into this soundscape and texture between these songs to give the whole album a feel, a vibe, a flow. But we're not super worried about the these tracks in between, you know? Yeah. They don't um, have to be hits. Don't have to be hits. I mean, I think uh I think only shallow and to hear knows when um are like tracks yeah. to me. Um I think there's at least one or two other songs. And again, uh, the song titles aren't coming to me that I think are really good, but, but it's just, it's, it's like looking at it a different way. I think MBV is the same and I was kind of marveling in it because it's, it's another thing I really enjoy, which is when you look at a, a format of a thing and say, no, let's, we, we respect that or we don't respect that, but we acknowledge that it exists. Um, but we're going to break it and see what shakes out and try it this way. And I think that's what they did. And I think they succeeded. And just as much as we're like, Hey, there's a lot of bands who try to sound like these records and don't really succeed. I think there's bands who try to do this and don't succeed either. And I think they did. So what do you think? Do you think are there tracks? (laughs) 
<laughs> um, similar to you. I mean, I, I, and I, I kind of went through the three LPs kind of keeping this firmly in mind. Um, you know, again, vague kind of numbers, but isn't anything has two, maybe three tracks. Yep. Loveless actually has probably five tracks in my opinion. Okay. Yep. MBV has no tracks. No um, tracks. I don't think it has any tracks. It's oh, just like, wow. and, I think there's a track, <laughs> but here's, here's the thing. It's like, they are so committed to the vibe that if, if you listen to Loveless for the tracks, but you don't listen to what, what's in between you're, you're, you're kind of fucking up. Like you're doing it wrong. Like you're not experiencing the album the way that it's meant to be experienced. Um, and MBV, I like that record, but it's it's kind of strictly a vibe. It's not even meant to have tracks, as far as I can tell. So, um, so, so that's a big question to me, which is kind of the same thing where you're like, do people just like it? You know, the, the phrase, uh, it's a mood. It's a whole mood. Yeah. Yo, it's a mood. It's a vibe. Start to finish. And yes, there's so many people who love it. There's so many people who it's like, yo, you just throw this on. This is perfect chilling and working on graphic design music. This is perfect. I like good music, but I still work in a cubicle and have to work on spreadsheets music. Yeah. Um, this is perfect. I work at a coffee shop and uh, I'm the one with good music taste music. Which which that that sounds like it could be a diss, but like could be. I, right. I know that, I know that you, I, I know that you don't mean it that way. Yeah. No, exactly. So, so I mean, it's just it, it just is what it is in terms of how the uh, how the records are, and like it's something I struggle with. And I, I on on my other podcast, Axe to Grind, we talk about it sometimes. It's the idea of do you ever let fans ruin your experience with art? You know? Yeah. And um, I'm gonna be real. I've never had a bummer most my, bummer my bloody Valentine fan experience. Like like the, may, I I'm sure there's somebody who's too pretentious for their own good who who's all in it. Most people I know who are like ride or die MBV guys or MV, MBV people are just like deep music fans. <laughs> right, know? exactly. Just I love mean, it, nerd out on it, you know. Well, that's the thing. It's like nobody like so we mentioned like Tool last episode, for example. Tool, I think, are one of those bands like Slayer or, you know, we could name a bunch of them. But if you meet the wrong fan, which might be 70% of the audience, mm. they're going to punish you about that band and they're going to try to convince you that they're great. Um, I don't feel like anyone's trying to convince anyone that My Bloody Valentine is great, which which kind of got to, like it kind of gets to the root of the whole reason for this 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 episode where like if you ask anyone that's heard of them they're just like oh yeah they're like they're great like nobody's ever super critical of them or even you know like really gushing about them unless you know i i feel like you know like i said i've met some gushers i've met some gushers but like it's not in but it's the, not punishing. It's no, not in a punishing no, no. way. Totally you know? right. Totally right. Not there's no punishment about it because I almost feel I almost feel so how do we get into this where we're like, yo, they seem universal, they're a band who a lot of people like. They're also not music that I say you could just 
and I just said you could throw it on in at a party, etc. I wouldn't go, hey, let's put this on. Hey, friend who we're driving in a car for a half hour together, I'm just going to throw this on. Let's listen to this song. You yeah, know what I, I mean? mean? It's not even car music, I would right, argue. Right. Like it's not it's not digestible in the way that certain, It's not like social music. Right. I think it might be in the background kind of music or something like that. Yeah. But, but I also like when you listen to it, it's it's more discordant than that. It's not just like pure pleasant music. Like I, I think about that. Like a lot of times I say there's there's this whole world of music that I love playing in the background. And I put I think my bloody Valentine falls into that category. They're on the more discordant and like has stuff going on. But here's, here's the double edged sword. There's background music you can put on and it washes over you like a wave and then it's gone and you don't think about it that much. Yeah. Then there's music like loveless where you put it on and if you don't want to, if you can not pay attention to it, you can get that experience. But if you tune in to what's going on, you might be fucked. You might not finish the spreadsheet, Bill. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like there's a lot of things happening, but they're all subtle. It's almost like it's almost like the most subtle, classic, influential rock record of all time. Right. I, I mean, but I think that's that's a great point because it's probably a huge part of the reason that it's so timeless. Um, like even when I was listening to the records this time around and I've heard them all a bunch of times over the years, I was still finding new things about them. You know, I mean, that's, they're, they're kind of, they're, they're, they continue to be rewarding no matter how many times you've heard them. Yeah. So, so I think that's, that's, that's part of what makes a timeless record, right? 100%. So, yeah, I mean, so, um, one of the things I wanted to bring up yeah, please is, hit me. I, I hit you with like a ton of questions. So yeah, you come yeah. at me. You come at no, me. No, it's all good. So so Kevin Shields at this point is kind of regarded as a genius, I think. Yes. In terms of like guitar players and kind of visionaries. Yes. I had a friend of mine who um was actually going to be on this episode and something came up for him, unfortunately, but he sent me a quote. Um, so I'm going to quote my friend, Matt. Oh, um, shout out Matt, who is a guitar player, who is a songwriter. Um, so take that for what it's worth, you know, in terms of his opinion, but he said, loveless is definitely a feat of experimentation that deserves the credit it gets. I can guarantee you Kevin Shields had no idea what the fuck he was doing though. (laughs) (laughs) And, And I think like, I thought that was genius because like, you know, there are all these stories that you're, you'll hear if you go deep into this stuff where like he apparently, Kevin Shields apparently yeah. bank, bankrupted uh, Creation Records. That's right, yes. Um, because he spent too much time in the studio <laughs> kind of getting the right sounds or whatever. I've heard, I've heard different accounts of that. I feel like, I think, I think Creation Records is actually going under anyway and it just was a time and a place, you know? Yeah, right. Um, but I don't know, like, is he a genius what do you think? Um, How intentional was all of this shit? Okay, this is a great question. Um, man, I think there's a lot of intent here, but I also think that sometimes you stumble into shit, and um, man, that's crazy. That's a crazy question. Um, yes, I mean, I, yes, because I, I just think there's so much going on. I'm not going to say... I think some of it is... 
is, uh, man, some of the beauty of this record is that it feels like that it was recorded in an echo chamber. Yeah. And I don't mean that sonically. I mean, in the way that it was recorded and they spent all this time in it. And it's like, you might burrow into your head and write a 370 page novel that is a hunk of shit. And you just, you didn't show anyone. You didn't have anyone take a look or read or, or even like pitch it to anyone. It's like, Oh, what have you been doing? I wrote this novel. What you write? Oh yeah. Yeah. Here it is. And it's, track it's bad it's awful and it's like yeah i don't know man but you might burrow into your head and nobody knows you do this thing and you write a 375 page novel and it's fucking like incredible and it's like right yo you did this yeah i spent six years doing it what (laughs) yeah every time i was by myself i just wrote this what right yeah i don't know it was 700 pages i worked it down to 375 and you know has anyone read this no no just me it's like when you isolate, that's that's part of how I feel is that it does feel like an isolation of sound in terms of like ideas and some of the creativity. And yes, there were initial influences and there's things like that, but it almost sounds like some of the creative process in the studio wasn't as much like, hey, it's day one. Here's what I want to do. But it was a result of being in the burrow going Let's try this. Oh, okay. This is what we're doing, you know. And so that would kind of support what your what your friend Matt said. Um, I'm, I would love to hear what other people think because I know we have some deep MBV guys out there. So um, my answer is yes, genius, and yes, didn't know what the hell they were doing. <laughs> didn't didn't have a uh, didn't have an inkling that what they were doing would become so acclaimed and influential and like name checked, like, Oh my God, what is this? You know? Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, I think that, I think he was definitely, Kevin Shields is definitely trying to do something like substantially different from everything else happening at the time. And he wanted to take guitar music to a different place, but like where Loveless ended up and how it ended up. I'm not convinced that I'm not convinced that he was even done with it when they put it out. Um, He seems like such an eccentric guy and just kind of perpetually unhappy with what he's working on i mean the fact that it took him 20 years to finish this last record is kind of proof of that and you know kind of a running joke if you're like deep into the mbv stuff is like kevin shields will always be like you know new record is coming by the end of the year and he was saying that about mbv the record for like easily 10 years well so yeah like when i was talking about writing the book the person i was thinking about was george rr R. martin yeah the right. writer of game of thrones and yeah. like the song of ice and fire series who has been for years like i still once every quarter or so i google win, winds of winter to see when it's coming out right um you know and that's that kind of weird isolation and like hey no i'm i'm in my head about it, it was my was in the back of my head where I was thinking. So it's, it's funny that you clued into exactly that. Like, yes, this is. <sighs> so yeah, there's some genius there. I mean, but, but like when we say genius, yeah, the dude might not be able to butter toast. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, who, well, that's, who knows? And, know? and that's actually the other point that I was going to bring up. Like, like when I said before that seeing them live kind of put them in a whole new perspective for me, um, they're incredibly amateurish in certain ways. Like, mm. like when I saw them live, I expected 
like like so a band that I love is the Melvins that I've mentioned before. When you see yes. the Melvins live, there are no breaks between songs. Everything is dialed in. Like there's there's not a second of silence. You know, the the set list is mapped out like perfectly in this way that you know that they've practiced it like that and honed it tight, right? MBV, like it's this explosion of sound for the two minutes that they're playing the song and then they stop and there's dead silence and Kevin Shields might like mutter something into the mic that nobody can understand. And then the song will start, like the drummer will kick the song off in, in a way that you'd watch like a band play in like a basement where it's just like the, you know, like the, the drum clicks, it'll just be like, yep. And then like it kicks into the loudest thing you've ever, and the, and the most perfect thing you've ever heard. So like, he doesn't even have the time to like make the whole live experience an experience in that kind of fully formed way, the way that he does with the albums. Yep. It's, it's just, it's wild to me. Like he's focused on this one specific part of the thing, (laughs) but, but, but other parts of it, he's like, I I don't know. Like, right. Right. That doesn't matter. That's fine. And that tracks, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's, it's, so yeah, it's, it's, it's dialed in in certain ways in this way that like most other music will never be. But then in other ways, like, yeah, I'm not convinced that he ever is content with it or finished with it or thinks that it's good. Right. So, 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 I mean, so, so yeah, in, genius, but, but yeah, it's just like tortured genius in that way. Well, like, and, and I think you find that with a lot of <clears throat> geniuses of the specific rock variety. You know, if we go through the top 10 most interesting or influential rock albums of all time, you're going to find people like Mr. Shields. You're going to find the Brian Wilsons who it's like, yeah, like that dude, I, don't th- I still don't think that dude's happy with pet sounds. You know what I mean? And then uh, the follow, you know, like there's so many of those people and you realize, oh, well, that's that's part of why this is great. Like, it is, you know? Yeah. Um, real quick. Um, Irish Times, top 40 Irish albums of all time. Loveless is number one. NME, 500 greatest albums of all time. Loveless is 18th. Uh, <laughs> Paste, uh, 100 greatest albums of the 90s. Number two. Yeah. Pitchfork. Yeah, Pitchfork, 50 best Oh, Pitchfork, 100 Greatest Albums in the 90s, number two. Uh, Paste, it was number eight. Come on, Paste, what you doing? Uh, Rolling Stone, 500 Greatest Albums of All Time. It's number 73. Spin, 100 Greatest Albums, 85 to 2005. It's 22. This is a well-loved record. Here's here's a question for you, but you might have others for me. Is this the most popular loved acclaimed however you want to put it record that i would say is fully out of the mainstream like for example i don't think i think anyone under the age of 50 eh, that's not true i think a band like the smiths yeah are a lot more well known than a band like My Bloody Valentine and a record like Loveless is a lot less known than, you know, you could name Pick, pick Your Smith's Album Du Jour. Yeah. What's I the mean, reason for that? You know, like, is Loveless, despite the fact that it's so acclaimed, like, it's not like 
nobody's nobody's like, oh yeah, man, you know, like after I listen to Joshua Tree, I'm just grabbing Loveless and throwing it on. Unless they're ahead. Like they're they're like subculturally aware almost, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean I, I think that gets back to the question of do they have tracks or not? Like like uh, yeah. s- the Smiths firmly have tracks that tracks you can and just, tracks you can, and tracks, you can yep. just tracks on yeah, every fucking song is a track from the Smiths. Um, whereas like I remember um, the song Sometimes, um, the My Lady Valentine song Sometimes was in the movie uh, Lost in Translation. Oh yeah, and that was the first time that I heard them in a movie soundtrack, and it fits so well. I mean, that's like that's a great kind of movie song, um, but it's 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 one of those things that made me think then, as I think now, like you know, does this band have tracks? Like, what's what's the appeal here? Um, I I think that people will be able to point to the Smiths because there's personality you know, oozing personality, frankly. Um, yes. But then they also have these really memorable, you know, kind of timelessly catchy songs. Whereas my buddy Valentine, it's, it's kind of deeper than that. It's like, you have, you have to kind of actively be interested in music to get them or be interested in them in any way. Right. So like, I think that's, that's the difference there. And I think that obviously these publications are going to, put them in their, you know, best ofs because it's kind of an undeniably great record that's unlike anything else. But that doesn't necessarily mean that every Joe Schmo on the street knows who they are or knows any of their songs. Yep. No, that's very true. Well, well put, well put. Um, all right. What else do you got on this? Because I, I mean, we ended up talking a lot about Loveless um, just on MBV. I think it's a really good record. Uh, I think it's... Again, I think there might be one or two tracks. Uh, Pete, you, I know you said no tracks. Um, I might be being harsh, but it's okay. You know, it's okay. Maybe, maybe someday we'll do the, the vibe. Deep dive. The, yeah, the vibe ex- exceeds the tracks. That's for sure. Yeah, um, and feels like a natural uh, successor to Loveless to me. It's it's not as great as Loveless, but it feels like a t- continuation. And part of the reason Loveless feels so singular is that it feels so new and fresh and how could a sequel ever feel that way? You know what I mean? Yeah. Did you know that my bloody Valentine did a Supreme collaboration? Yes, I did. (laughs) (laughs) I had to think about it. Yes, I did. Did you buy the sweatshirt? No, no, (laughs) no, 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 no. Pete, I'm too old to buy Supreme clothing. (laughs) Do you think when a band does something like that, it takes away from their legacy at all? Um. Well, well, Pete, it's a great question. Um, <laughs> I feel like I'm throwing some fastballs at you. I'm sorry. No, you're throwing you're throwing good ones. This one's a great one. It's just how earnest do I want to be about it? 
my easy answer is nah. It actually extends it and exposes people to it. Um, I think there's a whole world of, of people who are full on all into streetwear, um, skate clothing, etc. Yeah. Who that might have been an introduction point. Sure. So I'm with it. Now, if you look at a band like My Bloody Valentine, is this monolith of cool? Which I think they could be certainly seen as that. They the record the records plural just ooze cool. They just feel cool. They still you know feel what I mean? cool. Yeah. No. Yeah. Like yo, know, you might put on, you know, Jesus. I, I there's there's a point in time where if you put on an in excess record, somebody might be like, Ugh, you like this, or you could put on the greatest pop record of all time and somebody's going to sneer at you or look down at you and be like, I think you'd be hard pressed to find someone who sneers at you putting on my bloody Valentine or tries to look down at you and go, this isn't cool. No, I mean, even if they don't like it, it's, it's like, it's cool beyond cool. You know what I I mean? mean, If you walk into someone's (laughs) house and they have like loveless framed, you know, in the living room, you're like, Oh, this guy gets it. Yeah. Right, 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 right. They're cool. They're cool. You know, it's just, it's cool. So, um, if you look at it as this monolith of cool and that there could be, um, it may be, it, it maybe it's a dent in the dent in the shield, but certainly not, not, uh, you're not sweeping the leg if, if that makes yeah. sense. Um, so I'm not offended by it. It's not like they all of a sudden were like, Hey kids, the McDonald's, my bloody Valentine <laughs> happy meal is out now. Oh, I'd actually you know? rather that would be more fun. Like <laughs> Kevin, <laughs> Kevin Shields and Belinda butcher, like, you know, yeah, every every happy character. meal comes with a weird loop of different samples Bobble and heads. songs for people. Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be awesome. Yeah, it's, well, I mean, if you had to ask me, I think there would be some Mick Universe fans of Loveless. Like, I think Grimace <laughs> and Hamburglar would probably be pretty big Loveless oh, for fans. Sure. You know, for sure. Cap McCheese, I don't think so, but you never know. Don't you know. don't know. Yeah, uh, you know. I know? guess we'll never know. All right, I guess we'll never I know. Mean, so, yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't think it takes away from their legacy. I, I think it's just, it's just such an interesting thing to me because anyone buying Supreme is like, like you said, maybe it's a gateway. I would say that probably ninety five percent of the time it's not though. Um, no, it's very true. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> and it's just like, it's just it's for me. It's more just it's interesting culturally. I'm like, why is that happening? But Hey, cool. Whatever. You know? Um, I think that's all my questions though. I mean, I guess the last point before, unless you have anything else. No, I I mean, really, I've just been excited to talk about it because it was, it's sort of like exploring this thing and, and hopefully hitting on some cogent points about this band. And, you know, this is kind of, the situation to me is that uh, it's fun to talk about music that you really like. And I I do, I said, I don't love this band. I don't, but I do really like Loveless and I really like some of these songs and I like the overall feel of it, but it's definitely not, this isn't, I'm not my bloody Valentine guy. I'm not wearing this on my sleeve, but it's still really fun to kind of chat it out. And, you know, this is our attempt to have this conversation with, you know each other as well as anybody who here is in the sound of our voice yeah that's what that's what it's all about talking shop um all right so last question before we leave let's hear it one of the things that i think about is bands that their legacy almost makes them look bad so I, i i guess it's kind of pointing to the supreme question too but 
like the descendants are a band for me that I love the descendants. I think that everything the descendants spawned for the most part Mm. is like embarrassing garbage and it's not their fault. Nope. It's just, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. My Billy Valentine. And I want to ask you, but my opinion is, and it gets to what we talked about earlier in the episode. I think their influence is so multifaceted that they didn't have that effect. Which is yeah, which no. is amazing because I feel like they could have. Uh, they could have, and I guess I'll say I think there's probably like for every, all right, for every ten bad bands that the Descendants influence in some way, there probably is one good one, right? Maybe sure. somewhere yeah. out there. Um, no, I think MBV had an overall positive influence on the music atmosphere on the music environment you know the sound space i think they challenged i think they challenged people who were active musicians writing music and doing things i think people who came up and heard these records were like whoa let's try this and i also think they were applied some of those influences were applied to a wide spectrum of genres you know i don't think it was limited to like uh, Loveless didn't make people just go, hey, I want to write a clone record, though it did make some people. Mm-hmm. What it, I think it did was encouraged people to try different things in whatever genre they were pursuing or try to apply some of the stuff that that they did on these records to their own. So, so no, I, I think uh, a distinct, and again, monolith of cool, a distinct lack of corny influenced bands. No, there's no band who it's like, hey, we're, we're fart punk in the <laughs> poop bottoms. And uh, yeah, we, we, we send this out to My Bloody Valentine. They're our biggest influence. Let's go. Right. Like, there's none of that, right. you know, like, I, I just don't, it's, uh, it certainly is a, uh, is a cool thing. Shout out to shout out to my bloody Valentine. Shout out to being cool. Well put. So yeah, I mean, we're all about talking about music, taking the deep dives, and we want to hear from all of you on this stuff. Um, like Bob said, yes. I'm sure we have a ton of MBV heads in the crowd. So like, yo, what did we get right? What did we get wrong? What did we totally miss? Let us know. Um, let us know on social. We'll spread that shit. Um, we want to hear from you because that's what makes all this fun for us. So, yeah, let us know. Let's do it. Talk to you soon. Later. <laughs>